This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. Uh, did you enjoy last week's tumult in uh, U.S. politics? <laughs> um, it, certainly, I'm not sure entertaining is the right word, given uh, you know, some of the sad things it says about uh, public discourse, um, but certainly wasn't unexpected. Um, I had not. I did not think that the um, the polling figures were going to hold up again, um, and that's certainly been confirmed. Um, but it does look like we are going to get uh, a quicker resolution than the George Bush Al Gore contest uh, earlier this uh, century. So. Um, you know, while it maybe isn't the outcome many were expecting and hoping, uh, I don't think it's been. Uh, well, as let's bad start as there. Obviously, uh, that's I think dominated the global news cycle. If everything holds, and that's a like you say, it's a big if in an uncertain 2020. Is the election outcome the ideal scenario for markets, uh, U.S. equity markets? Um. You, I, I, it's hard to sort of give anything an ideal label given sort of the different uh, needs and goals of, say, um, big corporations versus small businesses. Uh, but I think it's uh, not a bad outcome. And certainly uh, equity markets have uh, uh, sort of sent a, a short, sharp vote of approval for the idea that we will have a much calmer presence in the White House that uh, whose uh, more extreme uh, social engineering and spending plans uh, can still be restrained by a Republican Senate. Um, uh, so, uh, yes, I think it's a pretty good outcome. Um, the, the U.S. seems to have responded in, a, in the broadest sense to this uh, marked polarization of the electorate by uh, opting more often than not in recent years for divided government. Um, and uh, we're uh, once again, looks like we're heading back to that situation. So other than this uh, this election uh, over the last week, what what do you think is a story that our listeners should should take note of? Well, um, one that we're uh, we're following and starting to pay more attention is uh, what happens to the big overhang of cash that is still piled up, uh, especially in U.S. money markets uh, as a result of the pandemic panic uh, back in March and April. Um, there have been a number of competing narratives here that uh, our colleagues in iMoneyNet have been tracking. Um, you know, and one of them has certainly been that uh, though money has been leaving them, it certainly hasn't been at a particularly sharp pace. 
Um, reasons for this, uh, and the re there are more theories, I think, in some ways than reasons, uh, are that people were waiting to see how this election played out. Um, others are saying that the uh, gates and fees reforms implemented in the wake of the great financial crisis uh, are doing their job, uh, preventing people from rushing out at uh, an extreme pace. Uh, uh, and uh, Paul Adams, who heads our research effort at iMoneyNet, uh, says that uh, he's been picking up that uh, the, the yield environment uh, outside of cash is so unattractive that uh, even though uh, investors would like to mobilize their cash to a greater degree than they are, uh, there just isn't a compelling reason to do so. So that might explain a little bit of this uh, dribs and drabs of outflows occasionally, but really nothing compared to the inflows we saw earlier yes, in the year. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the other thing that uh, certainly caught my eye this week is that, uh, you know, the patterns, the flow patterns that we've been tracking coming into the election, uh, though they were more muted by a general sense of caution, uh, really didn't go away. Um, we saw more money go into both emerging markets, equity and bond funds. Uh, there was a, a marked preference for exposure to Asia relative to uh, other regions of the world with diversified exposure in second place. Um, <laughs> um, the uh, perhaps irrational, but certainly very real concerns that investors seem to have about the current monetary push translating into inflation uh, somewhere down the not too distant road seems alive and well. More flows into inflation protected bond funds. Uh, and that was accompanied by a, a rare week of inflows into uh, bank loan products, which tend, you know, historically have been viewed as a play on rising interest rates. Uh, that's certainly not the, the official and broad market narrative, but it's been a, a persistent, uh, if, if minor, theme uh, in our flows, uh, certainly since the middle of the year. So over this next week, what are some of the trends or stories you and the team are going to be focusing on? Well, um, we have a webinar coming up on uh, China and Chinese share classes, and it's fairly timely uh, given that uh, Chinese regulators have, have certainly fired a, a shot across the bow uh, of China's big um, tech plays uh, by forcing the postponement of uh, Ant Financial's uh, much-anticipated IPO. Um, so China, I think, will definitely be uh, in focus. Uh, we're uh, even, even more so running out of time for uh, a Brexit trade agreement to uh, uh, emerge, uh, and so we're paying a fair amount of attention uh, to that, and uh, especially in the area of quantitative modeling, um, trying to work out uh, you know, what signals our data is sending, uh, given the decidedly mixed stories on both sides of the English channel. The team has a number of other um, webinars coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, what are some of those other uh, stories that you'll be looking at longer term? 
Right. Um, so we are going to be uh, looking this coming week uh, at our China share class allocations data uh, and sort of moving on from that, having a discussion about uh, you know, whether China uh, China should, in some cases, be moved out of the uh, gem fund universe and, and 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 be viewed more as a standalone um, asset class. Um, we are going to be uh, taking a look at uh, Europe uh, in a, in a follow up webinar uh, later in the month. Uh, a part of that will be, you know, examining uh, what the frugal four, frugal five, the more fiscally responsible countries, um, you know, how investors are, are viewing those and playing them uh, against the the broader group of countries that uh, want to see more fiscal stimulus, more uh, common approaches to the various uh, fiscal crises they're facing. Okay, great. Uh, Looking forward to it. Thanks, Cam. Good. Cheers, Todd. As always, you can find EPFR on LinkedIn and on Twitter at EPFR. To sign up to receive our EPFR daily exchange research we spoke about here, you can visit financialintelligence.informa.com. For questions or to suggest a topic for an upcoming podcast, you can email EPFR Exchange Podcast at informa.com. <laughs>